Welcome to the Women of Wild podcast, where we explore what it means to be a woman. We will be discussing real life challenges from being a daughter, a wife, a mother, a single mom, and beyond. We're two friends living very different lives. One is married with all girls. The other is divorced with all boys. We're perfect bookends to speak from opposite perspectives on all the things. Our mission is to search out the heart of a woman and to pour into you wherever you are with real life wisdom, actionable steps, and application of the topics we discuss to continue our self-development into a wild woman. That is a woman of wisdom, impact, love, and dignity. So let's go. Welcome back to Women of Wild podcast. Today, I'm really excited to have on Placida and Eric Breswell. We work together part-time at Pathways to Life, and I'm just getting to know them. But every time I'm around them, I love them more and more and learn something new. They have their own counseling practice, and one of the areas they specialize in is counseling couples. They do that together as a couple, so their clients get both perspectives as they work together. They have had a lot of experience in their personal lives and in working with others about what true love looks like in marriage and what it doesn't look like. I hope you will leave here with some great takeaways that you can apply to your own marriages and other relationships. Welcome, Placida and Eric. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. We look forward. And I will say, I feel the very same way about you, Sally. Yes. Whenever I'm around you, your, your presence is just peace. And it's mm-hmm. just like, you're so easy to be with and so easy to love. So yeah. thank you. Oh, and thank really you. Really laid back and chill. <laughs> yeah. That, that is me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning to embrace that about myself. I used to want to be more excited and outgoing and crazy. Animated. And that's just not me. Yeah. I'm even comfortable, peaceful. That's. And that is so yeah. needed, right? It is the, needed. There's the animated ones. I, I can check that box. I am outgoing and, you know, but but we need you. Like we need mm-hmm. what you bring. So yeah, God is, he's so awesome in that way that he just makes um, a space for all of his creation. And without that, like it's off, right? It's off. Yeah, With, we all need, mm-hmm. we yeah. bring our unique personalities to, different situations and I wish I could have embraced that when I was younger but we have to learn it yeah. I think we all have to learn yeah. it no matter yes. what you are you seem to want the other thing right. <laughs> and it's like oh no that's not how I was meant to be so right. <laughs> and that is one of the things I've learned I'm attracted to the people who are a little bit more animated they kind of bring that part of me that I don't have but they like me because I'm more calm and peaceful Right, because right. you balance one another out. I mean, it's yeah. it, it, it's like you, you know, the it's like a, a put, bringing a positive and a negative together. You know, like when you're talking about mm-hmm. like energy, you know, bringing you know to get to get things going, you need a positive, and you need a negative to get voltage. Mm-hmm. And that, and we can jump into talking about marriage. That was the kind of man I wanted to marry. I was like, I want to marry that sort of class clown, you know. <laughs> <laughs> with the party, someone who makes me laugh, someone who brings that um, fun side, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what I was looking for. Is that and what I found you found? Oh, you found that. <laughs> the interesting thing about that, though, because I think Eric and I bring the same dynamic. He's the common piece, even though he has a lot of the outgoing as well. But 
I think that oftentimes, especially in the beginning of marriage, when you're learning each other, um, you tend to judge that other thing, right? The thing that's not like you. And you realize later that, you know, no, I actually don't need to judge that thing. I need to learn how to live with that thing um, because that thing is helping me. Mm -hmm. But when it doesn't, so for example, if I'm, you know, up early in the morning and I want, you know, I'm doing things, I'm getting things done. I'm like, why are you in the bed? Why are you still sleeping? Don't you see we have all these things to do? But that's not the way he might process and he might be his best if he you know, isn't in the middle of my energy in that way. So it is an interesting dance when you begin to learn each other. And I say learn mm-hmm. each other at the beginning of marriage because the premarital experience is very different than that marriage experience, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is. And you said the right word, dance. It Because it is a dance. It's it's not always step one, step two, step three. It, it's actually a flow that you learn over a period of time it's a rhythm and you 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 learn as time goes by not to step on you know on one another's toes or i should say do it less frequently Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because you're going to step on toes it's (laughs) just less frequently right yeah we we're still learning just in the last i'd say year and a half i've done it deep dive into like Enneagram personalities. And now Kim and I are teaching the temperaments, the colors. And I've just even recently been learning more about my personality type and Sean's personality type and how, how we're different and how just Mm -hmm. how to speak to each other a little bit more better. And, you know, just, it's interesting. It's not, it's kind of a never ending process. It really is is. because you can go into the Enneagrams and then the temperaments. And then there's things like um, love culture, right? That's something that we teach on a lot is because people don't take, um, they take it for granted that, hey, I like you, you like me, I love Mm -hmm. you, you love me, and therefore all will be well. But see, there's so many other dynamics that go into us being who we are. So like how I was raised and what I knew about love and how love was expressed in my home is maybe very different than, and usually is very different than that other person, right? And then Eric's home. So there's there's cultural nuances, and I don't just mean cultural in terms of ethnicity or you know where you were born or raised. I mean, there is a culture in every home that mm-hmm. defines what love is for that home. And there has to be a respect and an honor and a reverence given to that. Um, and then the other person gets to not take offense yeah. because it doesn't look like their love culture, right? And so you have to, in order to do that, there's an intimacy that's required. Like, I have to let you in to know what love, like, did we even say, I love you in my home? Or did was love just about actions? Was love right. just about doing things for one another? Was mm-hmm. love about joining each other in the kitchen or like, what did love look like in your home? And a lot mm-hmm. of times we don't even do that work on ourselves but we expect someone else to show up to the party and have us all figured out, you right. know? In some situations, um, I love you is a secret. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it never really gets communicated or conveyed in any way, you know, in terms of, oh, they know I love them because I get up every, they see me get up every day and put food on the table and they know I love them. 
no, love has to actually be experienced or felt. It has to be tangible to the other person on the receiving end, you know, and it's what feels like love to them, not what we want to give them. Yeah, that's, I remember, I don't remember how, I'd probably been married seven or eight years and I read this book on communication and it was profound to me in that moment that because we came up in different cultures, like you said, we're going to look at experiences differently. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm, I think it was the first time I realized, okay, I might not be the only one with the right idea of how you should respond to the situation. Right, exactly. Right. There yeah. is another way, right? Like we learn yeah. it past exactly. There is another way. And so most of the time when something is foreign to us, we judge it as mm-hmm. opposed to hold it on, you know, every side, examine it, get curious about it, look at it, say, oh, that's what that means. Oh, so when he gets up every morning, like my wonderful husband gets up and serves me my coffee, that's love for him. He is actively loving me because, well, he's done the work. He knows for me, my love language is acts of service. And so when he does that for me, I feel loved. Now that might not be his choice. He might rather stay in bed and, um, you know, get up and have me make his coffee, but he chooses to love me in that way. And that's where sacrificial love comes in to play. And that's what we know. You know, the Bible tells us all about how to esteem others higher than yourself. Well, that, that is a part of love. And I think sometimes, you know, we have this Disney version, as Eric says, of what love should look like. And it does not really take into um, consideration love being patient, love being kind, love never failing, love not giving up, love not keeping a record of right or wrong. All of these ways that, you know, God defines love, but we, we'd rather, you know, consume the world's version of love and, and, and judge our partner if they don't mm-hmm. measure up to the Barbie in the movie or mm-hmm. to the whatever, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, that little happily ever after sign. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that because it poses a problem because several things uh, come up with that is that it doesn't teach conflict resolution, how to how to how to actually resolve conflict, and the depth of how far conflict should be. You don't get that with Disney, as well as the slow, uh, sometimes difficult process of growing through conflict and the the doubting the questioning of am i doing this right are they doing this are we right are we making this right decision are we so you don't see that in disney you know you see happily ever after you also what you don't see in disney is uh people having true real developing in social and communication skills that's not something that happens overnight. Most of us aren't fortunate to grow up in a home where healthy communication skills are actually taught, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And so we, we're, we we are given, we're given when we, when we leave our parents' house or whatever, where, however we grew up, our family of origin. And sometimes that can look different for everybody. Someone may have grown up uh, in, in a, a blended family, such as ours. Ours is a blended family. Some may have a family where everything's a family tree. There's mom, dad, brother, sister. You know what I mean? All biologically related. 
Some uh, might some, not even know some, the other half of the branches, ex- right? Exactly. Some could be in foster care, foster homes, group homes. Uh, some could actually literally family is or the people in the street. So however it was when how you grew up, you bring those same communication and social skills to your next closest phase of relationship as you come as you step outside of that group. Mm-hmm. And so now what happens is that when you start to, you know, communicate with somebody that, that may be that may have had a healthier experience. Mm-hmm. and a, 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 an experience that that works out not just for them but for everybody else that they encounter in, in society now there's a challenge because now what happens is like you ever see, heard like the the you know like uh why uh bad why why you know bad girls like uh don't like bad boys or, oh, or why like good girls, girls like, like bad, bad boys. boys i was trying to follow That's you. What it was. thank you <laughs> You know, but it's like they, they because they seen something growing up and then when they see something that that looks, looks like, like that. that that looks like love mm-hmm. or yeah, it even looks like how they grew up. They're attracted to that because that's what they know. Yeah. I want to about that, because, you know, you mentioned the people in the street, right? Mm-hmm. Like like growing up, say, in a in a, in a gang or, a mm-hmm. you know, a, a specific group of friends where we, we've heard a lot about this, you know, um, you know, don't tell, don't hush. Like we don't, we don't talk about what we know. What is that, that uh, phrase? Uh, um, snitches get stitches. Snitches get stitches, <laughs> those kinds of things. But it's because they're, what they felt or they knew as love was mm-hmm. this intense sense of loyalty, right? Mm-hmm. And if you broke that code, that was the ultimate, right? So if you break, so yes, we can judge it and say, well, that's stupid. It doesn't make sense. It's, we can't, we can't have justice this way. We can't, we can't be safe this way. And all of the things, the same way we judge each other in relationship, mm-hmm. but you have to pause to say, what is going on here beneath the surface, right. right? What is, why is loyalty so important to this person? Well, it's because the people that that person knew um, as safety, as shelter, as all of the things that is that we're supposed to have in our home growing up, right? They got that from somewhere that doesn't look like what you experienced. And so you can judge it, but it would be more helpful to try to understand it. And that so too does that happen in our marriage relationship, right? I can look across the way and say, why doesn't he ever say, I love you? Like, I, I know he loves me. I can see how he behaves. I know what he's done for me, but I just need to hear those words sometimes. And yeah, you can judge it, but it would be helpful for you to understand that he never heard those words. So crafting those words out of his mouth might be something that is so intense for him that requires healing to happen in his heart. And not saying he can never do it and that that's the Mm -hmm. end of all things, but helping him to be understand or to be seen and known is going to be his pathway to healing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I think that is true in all relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. that loving back first right. often is the way that change helps us get what we need to. Absolutely. Yeah. Like giving, you know, with kids or even friendships, whatever it is, it's, mm-hmm. it's being less, you know, I'd like to work with parents of children and it's easy to get so focused on wanting their behavior to be good mm-hmm, that we mm-hmm. 
miss right. miss what's great about them because we're always focused on what we want to make the better outcome. in them. Right. Yeah. And uh, and I'm guilty of that too. Like, but just building that relationship, mm-hmm. whether it's in marriage or parenting, mm-hmm. then we can have influence. Exactly. That's it. And that then that happens when there is a, a culture within the family, uh, within the relationship that that takes really an assertive posture that says you matter and I matter also. See, both parties have to have to matter, not what I want matters, what I think, say or do what that matters, you know. And so when we when when that happens, then we 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 don't teach children the value of their voice they usually have to learn it from somewhere else mm-hmm. you know you know there's usually an interruption anytime we we get dysfunctional skills and tools in our upbringing that the, it they don't automatically change on their own they change because there's an interruption maybe somebody took a class maybe they met a mentor or a coach they got some help they went to a seminar, went to school, something like that. You know, there has to be an interruption of things that are dysfunctional in order for that which is healthy and functional and, and productive to begin to take root. And so when we begin to take on those things, now we can learn how to really say, oh, you know, yeah, I do matter in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. my voice does matter, mm-hmm. you know, and then you begin to look at, be honest with yourself and look at how you grew up and say, wow, yeah, that, that probably wasn't the best. That wasn't the healthiest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things we do like to talk about is that word dysfunctional, which is simply just means functioning in pain. So that DYS just means pain. So when your parents, let's just put them on the, you know, the butcher block for a moment, when they, when they, did something that seems now in retrospect to be dysfunctional to your upbringing, it was simply because they taught that or they were acting that part out because they themselves were in pain. And so when you realize that, that um, helps you to not blame, that helps Mm -hmm. you to forgive, that helps you to then take a different posture or judgment um, about the person who was doing the best they could with what they had in the moment, right? And you can now you know, apply love or compassion in the place of judgment, right? But there there was something that you said earlier, which was just like, we, we have to learn how to not make it about ourselves, right? Even as parents, you spoke about parents and that's where it came up for me. A lot of times you're indirectly telling your children, you are making me look bad. Mm-hmm. You are making me feel bad. You are, and so that isn't a loving posture because love, again, esteems the other higher than themselves. So I'm in this with you while I look bad. I'm in this with you while I feel bad because you matter. Yeah. You matter. And I will stay in here with you until you get the outcome that you're looking for, which is to be loved, to be seen, to be known. Right. And what does that look like for you? Let me get curious about that. Let me not assume that it's the thing that mattered to me when I was in 12th grade. It, maybe it's not about the basketball scholarship. Maybe it's about my identity that I'm struggling with. Maybe it's about whatever. 
right? The fact that I don't have any friends and we've moved 10 times and I am sick of you, even though you're my parent and I know you love me, but I don't want to be with you. I want to be with someone who calls me best friend, right? So when we give them more of that kind of attention that says, hey, you matter. Mm -hmm. Now we know we matter if we're healthy and whole. We know we matter in the eyes of God, but for them in that moment, it matters more that they know that they matter. And the same is true for your spouse. Like when you're in the middle of a heated conflict and they are saying, I am in pain. Can you put your pain down for a minute and just be with me over here? Right. There's some loving habits that help that dynamic. Um, And I'm just going to read a few real quick to you. Being humble. Exercising self-control. Recognizing strengths. And when I say exercising self-control, let me go back there real quick. Exercising self-control is not other control. It's about you. (laughs) And oftentimes we, we spend more energy on controlling the other person and not try or trying to control the other person, which is like dangerous because it'll never happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, rather than trying to build disciplines within ourselves that keep us grounded and level. Yeah. Can I, can I just interject with, with that, um, with that part in terms of self-control because with self-control, uh, it's, it's really about, you can't have self-control without having awareness, without being aware of self. And one of the things, there's several things that help our self-awareness so that we can be intentional about controlling ourselves. And because a lot of times when we talk about self-awareness, we're, we're like, yeah, I'm self-aware. I took self-aware uh, 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 questionnaires and exams and stuff like that. It's very limited when you are the one that's assessing you. It's like being on the inside of a ketchup bottle and trying to read the label. You can't read the label from the inside. You have to trust others on the outside to help you. And so with self, one of the things, uh, there's there's four aspects of self-awareness. It's yes, it's what you know and what from your experiences. That's, but that's just a small fraction. That's one fourth of having self-awareness or self-knowledge the other parts of it are you know uh feedback from others how much how much do we actually volunteer consistently asking others uh that have their best interests have our best interests how much do we actually ask them for feedback and then the other part of self-awareness is our impact on others and, and in situations on others around us do we notice our impact? Are we taking knowledge of that in, you know, as well as or denying it? Or oh, denying I didn't do that. It. I didn't do that. They, they were like that when I showed up. Yeah. Mm. Or, yeah, I did do that, <laughs> but I only did it because, see, we're justifying now. An excuse. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, and then the other part of it is of, um, of having a self-knowledge is really knowing where we fit in the world. Like, who am I? What are my gifts? You know? What are my talents? What are my abilities? And and how can I have impact intentionally in this environment? Where can I cause other thing, things to be better? Mm-hmm. And the key part that usually causes, everybody feels warm and fuzzy about three of those parts. But the mm-hmm. part that we get all frustrated about is that feedback. 
-hmm. because we are prone to take offense. And sometimes it's because what has been given to us hasn't been given in love, right? It's been given as a judgment or an accusation, which we don't want to take the role of the accuser in anyone's life, right? Because that is his role. He accuses right. and mm -hmm. we have to notice when we're showing up that way. But the, the bottom line is even if someone accused you of a thing, take the part of it, even if it's a small a part of it, small mm -hmm. fraction of it, the, the scripture says it, you know, one way, but you have to agree quickly with your enemy when they find you in the way, right? As you're in the way, forget how it says it exactly. Yeah, when you're on the way to court. When you're on your way to court, that's a, that's yeah. a, a very deep translation. But the bottom line is agree quickly with your enemy. Find that mm -hmm. 1% that is actually true. Mm -hmm. Keep that, hold on to that. Allow that to spark whatever it's supposed to spark in you, whether mm -hmm. that be change or acceptance or whatever. So I'm going to accept that my voice is, you know, we, we talked early on, like your voice is a, you know, you're a little lower sounding. My voice isn't. And I, it comes from many things, right? It comes from many things. If I think about it, if I've, I have processed it while I was the youngest child, I felt like I had to, to scream, to be heard. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't receive uh, physical punishment as a child. I, sometimes there was yelling that happened in my house. So I learned that yelling was a way to get yourself heard. Right. And so there are things that sometimes I need my partner who lovingly reminds me, hey, you're showing up a little high. Special. Loud, special. <laughs> hey, can you tone that down a little bit? Everybody doesn't need to know right now. Oh, he gives me some feedback and I get to either take offense mm -hmm. or take notice. Offense is mine to take or leave. And so mm -hmm. I get to leave that 99% on the table that doesn't apply to me and keep moving and grow with that right. 1%. Yeah, because it's that 1% that we ignore, minimize, justify, make excuses or be defensive about that's going to hem us, hem us up and really lock us, lock us in. It's really what's going to give more place for problems to come in is when we ignore the 1%. Yeah, I got all these 99 things that I'm doing right, but keep that up and get and get proud about that. You'll be blinded to the 1% that you keep being defensive about. And so that 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 is something that's important. But before you go on, Placida, um, that part about um, being humble, uh, when it comes to conflict within any relationship, but let's talk specifically towards marriage or, or romantic partnerships. Um, one of the things that that's really important to remember is this, is that the first one to humble himself is the one that sets up the win-win scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I, because if I humble myself, I'm going through a process of saying, I already know what I know. What I don't know, I don't know what you know. You know, if all I know is what I know, I can't do anything. But if I find out about you and what you know and what you care about, I can help us. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. if I don't know that, I can't do anything. Mm -hmm. So we stay in gridlock. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it lowers the defenses when you do that. Absolutely. Another does. thing that lowers the defenses is that recognizing strengths. So I want to speak right now to, to the wives. Um, 
because we tend to keep a record of wrong. Um, and this is obviously general. Not all of us do this. But um, we know that you didn't take the garbage out last night. We know that the last time you made, you know, a date for us was, you know, January 14th, 1972. We know we keep a record of wrongs, right? But when you recognize the strengths in your partner, they're, they're especially many men need those words of affirmation to just say, hey, I see you. Hey, I see how hard you work for the family. Hey, I see and I know that you were exhausted last night, but you stayed up and you read to the babies. I see that you were exhausted, but you still made sure mm-hmm. you cooked us dinner and that you gave me some time on the couch, that you're hardworking, that you're loving, that you're faithful, that you're honest, even when it hurts. Like we have to recognize the strengths in our partner because right. that does let them know that that person over there is safe. That person over there sees me. That person over there is worthy of my trust and my intimacy. And intimacy starts way before the bedroom for women. And so we have to understand that if we sow seeds of fault finding, we will reap the harvest of those seeds, which is disconnection, disconnection with our spouse. Yes. The goal is obviously for everyone to get their needs met. But Mm -hmm. whose needs are you most worried about? Because that comes across. Most of us are most worried about our own needs. And because that's, you know, the survival mechanism that we exist in is that I need to get my needs met, you know? Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, your husband doesn't get the right to go out and just worry about his own needs getting met. He's got a family on his shoulders. He's got you, the children, his reputation. He's got the folks at work. He's got a lot. I mean, not saying that we as women don't have those things. Please don't hear me that way. I am really speaking about the marriage covenant as a whole. But in general, there are some ways that we as individuals show up in our marriage and we can show up in a more positive way um, to if whatever it is that you feed, that's what's going to grow. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember years ago, I heard this uh, minister, he said, and, and it it still sticks to me to this day, but he said, whatever you think about all the time is what you'll yield to and become subject under, you know, and, and, you know, another thing with that is that whatever we're constantly giving our attention to is what shapes and forms our desires, you know, and so when we are constantly, so these are the things that really if they're if they're good things, if they're godly things or positive or right things, our mind is renewed. Mm-hmm. You know, if not, then our, our minds, our brains, neurologically become wired to think a certain way. You know, our brains are wired to release certain chemicals to keep us wired that way. Mm-hmm. Another way to say what you said is: whatever we do not let go of is the thing that will control and enslave our heart. Mm -hmm. So this is where forgiveness comes in our heart, our mind, our emotions, as well as our spirit. And so loving forgiveness has to be one of those habits um, that you actively I'm talking about daily because there's going to be something that your significant other does on a daily basis that you wish they would have did different. Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. Let's take a moment to pause on that. Let's see what, <laughs> here, look in their eyes and let them know, look, I wish you would have did that differently, but that doesn't mean 
number one, that you're right. Right. You you may not be seeing that thing accurately. And so that in, in forgiveness, there is something that we literally, forgiveness literally means to release and let go of. And we often think about releasing and let going the offense, but what about your perspective? Sometimes what's required in forgiveness is for you to release the possibility or the, 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 um, the, the hold that you have on rightness. Mm -hmm. Oh, could have been or should have happened. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that 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 opens up the door for understanding and compassion to take place and for connection to be reestablished. Um, the more empathy we have, the easier it is to forgive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's so much that can be said about that particular um, skill of empathy, um, because uh, so many times in relationships, and men are very notorious for doing this is when they hear a problem from their spouse or their partner, what ha- what tends to happen is that we go into fix it mode. Well, let me fix it. So we go into either fix it mode or we go into being, again, going back to being defensive and justifying, making excuses, blame shifting, all of that other stuff, or we go into fix it mode. No, how about just actually be there with the person. And when we talk about empathy, um, Teresa Wiseman, who's a scholar, and she did some uh, she she did some work on um, she's a nursing scholar, and did some work on um, writing about empathy, and she said that empathy uh, consists of uh, four things: it's pers- perspective taking, the ability to take on another person's perspective, and then staying out of judgment. That's so important, also is that holding back your criticisms, the blaming, the accusations, the judgments, all the assumptions, all of those things. And then uh, being able to identify um, emotions and label them, you know, identifying emotions and other people. And then can you, you know, actually communicate that? Hey, I see you're upset. See, and that's where you move into uh, validating a person's uh, emotional state, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that is something that means more to a person because we all want to be seen and we want to be known. Mm -hmm. That part was particularly difficult for me because, you know, I, because of my own um, trauma and my own life story, I kind of will judge someone who's like, okay, that happened get over it. Like that was my, you know, go-to. I mean, I'm sure that I didn't say it, but I'm sure many have felt that in the past before I understood what the impact of that kind of um, nonverbal display would really have on the other person. It can be so damaging for someone to think that um, whatever they're doing, wherever they are right now is not worthy of anybody's time. You're wasting our time. Mm-hmm. You're wasting. And, and that was how I felt. Like that was what got me through my pain. Okay, Placida, like strap up and get over this because you can't stay here because if you do, you'll die. And mm-hmm. so I was projecting that onto others, but it was from a place of pain. And for a, from a place of not knowing. So when you know better, you can do better. But you have to first acknowledge where you have missed it. 
right? Mm -hmm. Many people have died on the mountain. Many marriages have died on the mountain of rightness, right? Mm -hmm. I'm right about this and you better come over to this side. If you don't come over to this side, then we can't be anymore. Ultimatums. Ultimatums. God is not concerned about our rightness. He's more concerned about our righteousness. Righteousness looks like him, not like our own fleshly desires. Pretty passionate about this topic, if you you can't tell. You know, when when you were talking about um, sometimes how we show up on, on other people because of how we may have been brought up, when those type of things happen, sometimes with that, the impact of that is that it can teach others uh, in a very indirect way, sometimes maybe directly, but in a very indirect way, not to be honest. And this is where uh, dishonesty can actually come in and really do its awful, dirty work in a relationship because we're not honest about how we're feeling because we've been taught to ignore uh, our feelings, uh, you know, or... Uh, suppress our feelings mm-hmm. or deny that we even have those feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, the great pastor and theologian, John Wayne said, <laughs> real men don't cry. Well, that's a that, that was a, that's a bad idea for, you know, because it's, it's bad ph- physiologically, mentally, neurologically, and, and emotionally. It's not good to, it's very unhealthy to suppress emotions. You know, and so when we look at honesty, we talk about a lot of times four types of honesty. You know, um, we talk about emotional honesty, where we are being, when we are honest about our emotions and sharing our our feelings, especially to our loved ones or significant other, and we're sharing with them, uh, you know, being honest with them about maybe something they did and how um, we are actually, we're not blaming them for it. But we're sharing with them what maybe something they said or did and how it caused us to feel about something or the emotional or the state. impact. The impact, exactly. The bottom line is they really didn't cause it mm-hmm. in you. You whatever happened in you happened in you. Exactly. They mm-hmm. happened over there and they may have triggered something to happen in you because of yes. your your personal history. But we want to make us we want to create a safe space in our relationships that the other person is is um free to express their emotions without penalty yeah if there is a punitive cost for them then you're literally teaching them you know, I've, I've heard lots of women say, like, I don't know why he didn't tell me that. I don't know why he did that over there. Well, what does it cost him right. to open up to you? And that's not your fault. He still had to make a decision to be right. dishonest. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Everyone ha- is responsible for their own behaviors in the relationship. That is what mm-hmm. I am saying. However, the the space that we create can either be a sanctuary or it can be a jail. That's so true. And I've experienced that early on in my marriage. You know, I came in already with a lot of codependent behaviors. Mm-hmm. And one of those is lying in, in, a, in the sense of like people pleasing, telling yeah. people what they want to hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I would say things that I really didn't mean and then back out at the last minute or 
-hmm. you know, for some reason thinking that was better than just being honest. And as I, but there was a point where I know Sean, I was not a safe person for him to talk to. Mm -hmm. And so he wouldn't tell me, you know, we just really went down a spiral and it wasn't until I went to Al-Anon and started getting healthier Mm -hmm. that and I can't even remember how it happened. I'm sure it just slowly over time. But mm-hmm. as I learned to just accept him exactly where he was, as who he was, mm-hmm. he was able to share things with me and open up. And I wasn't trying to control or change or not not accept what he was saying. I didn't. If I didn't like what he was saying, I would try to like, well, you don't mean that, or you know, <laughs> try mm-hmm. to make it the way I wanted it to make me feel better, which isn't the way to try to take in someone else's pain. Like you're saying, you know, it's, he's trying to share his pain and I don't like it. You don't like it. It doesn't feel good. So I'm like, this place of not feeling good and with Mm -hmm. whatever, I gloss it over with whatever I have, which could be my words and my lies, right? They were dishonest. Maybe sins of commission or sins of omission, right? Um, leaving leaving facts and details out that are very pertinent mm-hmm. for that situation for the for true intimacy <laughs> to yeah. take place, and that just led to disconnection. Absolutely, <laughs> which yeah. is not what we wanted. But right, you know, we had to learn how to be, how to have empathy, how to be a safe space to yeah. for each other. We think about this that all of our actions are either, are rooted in one of two things: fear or love. So when we lie, that's not rooted in love. That's rooted in fear. Yeah. Right. And so when we um, decide that it's the risk, this is the risk I'm willing to take or not for love to happen. So I'm going to be motivated by my fear and I'm just going to cover myself. I'm just going to make sure you can't really see what's really there. Um, or I'm going to be take a risk that the end result would look like the love, the the vulnerability that I'm showing. Like when I show vulnerability and I'm present with you, whether you receive it or not, that was rooted in love for me. You know, love for you and love for myself. I want to be seen and known. So I have to take a risk with this precious part of me. I'm giving it to you because I think you're worth it. What will you do with it? Yeah. Well, that's fearful. That's yeah. loving. That's like, wow. Yeah. That causes connection. Yeah. My girl, Brene Brown, has taught me well on that. Yeah. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's great. And, and you know, what that, it's something that you just said that's, that's so important because the, it's, what, it's what I call the sin of withholding. And when we begin to omit things and leave things out, but we also, not just are we leaving out the facts and the details that are important and being honest, but also what happens a lot of times is that we withhold ourselves. We withhold spiritually, we withhold mentally, emotionally, physically, or sexually, Mm -hmm. you know, um, maybe even financially from our spouse and we're not giving. And what that begins to do, that increases the stress the anxiety and fear in the other person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. god said this in 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 first john chapter four he says there is no fear in love but complete love 
love that is mature or complete, perfect love, it casts out fear. That word uh, complete um, or perfect is the Greek word uh, teleos. And it doesn't mean flawless. What it means is that something that is whole. Something like think of a, the, get the picture of a, of a piece of pie. And that pie has a piece, you cut a piece of that pie out. That's no longer a whole piece of pie. That's no longer a whole pie a piece and then I serve that to someone else as though that whole piece of pie that as though there's not a piece of it already cut out see that's mm -hmm. what's holding where's the other slice at what do you mean here's the whole thing right here nobody's and, and right <laughs> and so right nobody's nobody's full maybe up front after a while when we start to get through the pie we're like hold on something's lacking it's not making sense something's going on something's off here you know and so what begins to realize because the other person begins to eventually realize that this one thing and it's two words you know all in mm -hmm. are you all in mm -hmm. or not all in because if you're withholding you're not all in and that's that love when we come being complete it's able to cast out the fear the stress the anxiety that the other person may be experiencing. They, they, they reduce those levels of stress and anxiety. But when we are withholding, it's not love casting out the fear, but fear and the stress and anxiety begins to cast out the love. Perfect, love casts out fear. Yeah, so that makes me think of the scripture that, you know, what's God will not be mocked, whatever whatsoever a man sows, he too shall reap. And so it's like, we are so confused about why we're getting these outcomes yeah. in our marriage relationship or any other relationship for that matter. But it's like, whatever you sow, God can't, you know, he, he doesn't go back on his word. He's, he's not going to switch it up for you. What are you sowing? Mm -hmm. Ask yourself, start with you. Right. I know it's so tempting to start with the person across the table. Well, start with you. You know, when we sow seeds of, um, you know, you control, you reap a, a harvest of bondage. Yeah. You don't reap yeah. a harvest of freedom. Yeah. You know, and, and that's it, the crazy thing about it is we want, we, we want to manipulate is that tree in the garden, right? We want what, what God has. And so we want to try to get his, you know, if we had as much knowledge as he had, then we would be equal. Yeah. Huh. Well, how about this? <laughs> Stop eating from that tree and um, just accept that there's some things that you're going to have to trust. Like people want this, this outcome. Well, if I do this, if I show up to the counseling session, will my marriage be healed? Well, you're going to have to do some trusting in the process. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to do some personal work. Yeah. on you and stop trying to control what's going on across the table and trust God with that other person and their outcomes. And maybe your marriage can be healed and whole. That is such a key thing. I can remember the moment where I was in my house when I was like, all right, I'm just going to let it go. Cause the harder I was trying to hang on to it, the worse it was, everything was getting. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to release the idea that it was going to work out. Cause I think even just marriage itself had become too important to me, like an idol, an idol. you know, yeah. having it succeed. Mm -hmm. And I had to be willing to just let it fail. 
Mm-hmm. And that, that was the moment it started to heal. God started to heal it. Wow. But I had to like release it first. Yeah. And, um, which was, it's just hard. And even, you know, that's just something in life, even with my kids, like as they're becoming young adults, just releasing them more and more and trusting mm-hmm. they're not mine to, yeah. you know, I'm still their parent, but not in the same role anymore. And they've got to learn their lessons now. <laughs> and, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. it's a constant surrendering. It's a surrendering. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. That, mm-hmm. that is so important because um, when we are letting go of what we know, it, it, it is, it is so vital to, to realize that that is, we have to let that die. Mm-hmm. And why? Because we want, we have to make place for the new. Mm-hmm. It's almost mm-hmm. think of it like when, if, if, if we want a better house and the old one is torn down, I mean, like the foundation of it is just falling apart and causing everything else inside to fall apart. The beams, the, all the wooden beams, the, the steel beams, all every room is falling apart. So now that house has to get demolished. So that now we can build a brand new house, you know? And so what happens sometimes is that we want to keep the same foundation in place, the same doors, same windows, the same frame, and just maybe put a few bricks in here and there and a couple of windows and think that that's going to be in and maybe a new roof, you know, but that's not actually what's going to, to do it. It has to be a whole, because now you need new materials. Because now you have a house that has different things in it. Uh, both parties are bringing a different set of uh, beliefs, a different set of uh, core values, a different set of skills that are rooted in love that's going to create health for the relationship. Well, I could do this all day, but I want to be respectful of your time. <laughs> are there any, what, what would you like to end? Is there, uh, did you finish your list, Blasida? Um, I didn't finish my list, but um, we've we've kind of touched on all of it, really. One of the things is to be supportive of your spouse, to 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 know what matters to them, and to get to be their number one cheerleader um, in in that area. To to communicate, communicate, com- even if you communicate bad, don't stop communicating, mm-hmm. and and learn. Go get some help. You know, come see us. We'd love for you to come see us to give you some skills and some tools. But I'll tell you this, skills without the right heart posture will get you nowhere. You can have all the skills in the world, all of them. but if your heart posture is not what it needs to be, you will do more damage to your relationship. And so just, you know, communicating, being open and honest, which we've Mm -hmm. talked about, you know, that, that intimacy that happens again, you guys, some of us are having issues in, in our sex lives, you know, just to be completely honest, we're having issues, you know, while some of, you know, it's, it's like the scripture in the Bible that says, repent, Mm -hmm. (laughs) repent. And then, then he'll heal the land. Exactly. Then he'll heal the land. There were, there's some things or some activities, maybe pornography, maybe emotional uh, affairs, maybe the, the, the guy at work that you love to bat your eyes at and talk to at the, while you're getting coffee that you don't think is harming your marriage in any way. Maybe there's a, a stronghold in your past, you know, 
I'll, I'll speak very candidly early on in our marriage, I had to confess a stronghold from my past that, um, and I confessed it to my husband and he was a safe place for me. I didn't have to go confess it to a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to tell anyone else that this was, this thing was, was harming me. I had to confess it to him. And he proved to me that he could hold my junk. Just like, you know, we love God so much because God can hold our mess. Like he's the only one that comes to us and is like, Oh, is that all you got? Yeah. Hand it here. I'll take that. Now go on and live your life and go in peace and don't sin anymore. Right. That's how the Lord handles us. But your spouse can also be an example of that kind of love, but you have to take a risk and allow them to be by confessing those, those, those dark secrets that, that you may think this was surely going to end my marriage, but it's ended already and you're living in it while it's ended. Mm-hmm. And you got the you got the paper that says you're married, but you and him or, or you and her know that this thing is just a fraud. So what are you going to do today to sow into the soil of your marriage to get back and to reclaim every bit that the enemy has tried to steal from you right under your nose, right? But yeah. he roars like a lion. He's not the lion. The Lion of Judah can restore, redeem, reclaim every bit of what the enemy has tried to steal. But you have to play your part. You have to do your work. And so, you know, that would be what I would what I would leave with your listeners that that your marriage is your business. You've got work to do. Stop looking across the table and identifying all the things the other person has done wrong. Get about your business of loving your spouse, whatever that looks like in your marriage, because it does not look the same down the block. But there are some key tenets, and you can find them in 1 Corinthians 13, that will tell you how to love your spouse. Yeah. Can I just uh, interject something that uh, Placid has said in terms of um, with em- empathy and the importance of being able to hold someone's pain? And that that is one thing that I could definitely say is that that is a, a, a super skill for all relationships. And I want to talk about particularly with marriage and romantic relationship partnerships is why is it important is because this is how trust is built when trust has been, been broken. So it's important to learn how to hold your partner's pain. And, and sometimes and one of the things that we see sometimes is that when when dishonesty or some type of infidelity has been committed, a lot of times the person that has done the wrong can't hold their partner's pain that they caused. And so it's important because it's hard to look at damage that's already done, but it's it's really hard to look at it when you caused it. But it's important to be able to allow compassion and empathy to take root in you and be able to have the capacity to hold someone else's pain, especially if you caused it. This means doing it without justification, uh, being defensive, being dishonest, drip feeding, giving little bits of pieces of detail, all of that. No, come wholehearted and hold it, hold their stuff. This has been so good. (laughs) Thank you. It's been our honor and privilege to be with you, Sally. You um, continue to do what the Lord has called you to do in this season yeah. because people need this information. And yeah. um, we just appreciate they do. so much. And I appreciate you guys taking the time to be here. And I look forward to just getting to know you more and more. 
Absolutely. Uh, same absolutely. here. So Thank tell you. Sean we have to double date. Yes. Yes. Soon. <laughs> Definitely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. And until next time, stay wild. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. Let us know what you liked and what your main takeaways were. We'd also love to know what topics you'd want to hear about on future episodes. To connect with us further on social media or to learn more about our services, click on the links in the show notes or email us at womenofwildpodcast at gmail.com. And if you know anyone that would benefit from hearing this episode, please share it. To continue the discussion about this episode, join us in our private Facebook group. The link will be in the show notes. Until next week, stay wild.